Hi, I'm Chris McBrien, a Gen Xer, and the pop culture from my generation is awesome. And I'm Yance Eaton, a millennial, and the pop culture from my generation is dope. Episode 9, The 1990s. Chris McBride here along with Yancey Eaton and this is the Pop Goes Your World podcast. Um, Yancey, lots to get to this week so let's just dive right in. Um, you know where I was last week. You you obviously heard the, the show I put together from Fan Expo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I listened to all of it. Uh, that was great. Let me tell you what a great time that was. <laughs> it was so awesome. So I obviously went there with my seven-year-old. You could hear him a couple times, I think, in the background when I was recording. Uh, it was a great time. Man, oh man. The highlight for sure, if you listen to the show, was Mark Hamill, the Mark Hamill Q&A. Oh my God, it was fantastic. He was amazing. But uh, even the other Q&As, the Cusacks were, were phenomenal. Christopher Lloyd was great. Um, it was awesome. And obviously got a chance to meet Takei. And he gave me an oh my. It was wonderful. So it was <laughs> yep. he was really great. So man, oh man, it was a great time. Um, I should mention off the top two, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, at C. McBrien or at Yance Eaton on Twitter, or you can get all of our contact information at popgoesyourworld.com. Uh, Yancey did want to mention another thing. I ran into somebody when I was at Fan Expo um, who actually gave, li- listens to the show, believe it or not. Ran into somebody who listens to our podcast, and he actually gave us gave me some feedback, and he want, I wanted to share it with you. Okay. Um, so he really likes the show, really likes the fact that we do lists, because he says, he goes, I find myself like yelling, like, like no, 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 that should be number two or number one, or that's my number one. And that's what we wanted to do. I mean, so that's really, it's very gratifying to hear. Um, But he said that, he goes, without fail, he goes, it seems like Yancey's, you know, top fives, the things that Yancey talks about come from the heart. And and he goes, but Chris, he goes, when when I listen to yours, it sounds like you're a little bit textbook, you know, because it's like, it's like, yeah, Psycho is supposed to be the number one. You right. Know, you know, like that's what a textbook would say. So it's it's kind of like I, I guess I am more of a textbook thing. But knowing you know what we know, which my day job is a college professor, I have to go by the textbook. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean that's my thing, right? But um, it is is definitely definitely like a a clashing of styles. I will say that you know anybody who wants to know the 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 top five of of this period or the top five things of this, I mean they can just simply Google it and get it. Like me, I'm literally looking for stuff that like was very very specific to like my particular upbringing. Some that was important to me or is important to me still now you know it's um it's it's not like one is right or wrong it's like two completely different takes on something so i mean i I like the feedback and i don't think he's he's inaccurate at all about it it's actually kind of interesting i me too i thought it was great feedback and i was like man that's you totally nailed it you're right you know Mm -hmm. that's what i said like that was i thought it was great great feedback from a great listener um i should also mention obviously some some sad news um you know hollywood lost a major major icon recently with gene wilder passing Mm -hmm. um you know young frankenstein and stir crazy blazing saddles the waco kid man he was one of the most unique talents ever like he was quirky and weird but he had like this humanity that he that he brought it just made him such a very like a very special actor and the thing is the guy could do it all like he could sing he could dance he could act you know he was nothing short of a genius so so it was really really sad news there obviously but anyway um so this week some of the feedback we're talking about feedback there some of the feedback that we have received from people is that we tend to neglect yancey the 1990s the decade of the 90s we neglect it because the thing is obviously i'm in love with the 70s and 80s you're a millennial so you're kind of like 2000 on and as a result when we go into things like our favorite horror movies or whatever things that we're doing um the 90s tend to get forgotten So, so we've gotten quite a bit of that feedback so we decided we needed to spend an entire episode dedicated 
to the decade of the 1990s. So are you ready to go? I'm ready, man. Let's do it. All right. Here we go. Back in 1985. I don't want to give people the wrong idea. <laughs> Saved by the bell. The college years. My wife knows about this. She's cool with this. You know, like the girl from Dirty Dancing and Ferris Bueller? I am in love with dank memes. MC Micro G and DJ Swen. Black people Twitter. We're going to ring ring a dong for a holy day. It's not something you just want to advertise. Because rapping is my thing and I do it every day. As you're singing this, I'm like cringing for you. <laughs> I pretend that I have my own show on the Food Network. Okay, so Yancey, top five things from the 90s, from a pop culture perspective. Let's run them down, start with five and go up to one. You start us off. What's your number five thing, favorite thing from the 1990s from a pop culture standpoint? Okay, I just want to say first that every every time you, you look back at a particular time frame, uh, whether it be decades or years or anything like that, it's weird looking at it as a whole because you think like, wow, the 90s were just like the weirdest time period ever. But then you look at just the 80s when you isolate the 1980s, it's like, wow, the 80s were so weird. They were so out there. But you can literally say that with every single decade. But it is strange looking back at the 90s because like you don't see a lot of the same themes in the eighties or in the two thousands or the 2010s. Like it is a completely like standalone, like this weird standalone like block of pop culture. But um, it was just weird looking back at it and seeing like all these different references to things that I'd completely forgotten about, but like it was still in my brain somewhere. But um, anyways, so that was a long tangent for no reason. But uh, so for number five, I went with uh, uh, growing up. I never had cable and or satellite or anything like that. So, this is specifically basic TV's weekend lineup, like late night weekend lineup. And it was this the same revolving door of, of shows that me, my siblings, sometimes my mom and dad, if they weren't gone, this is what we always watched. It was Unsolved Mysteries, oh, cool. Cops, oh, nice. America's Most Wanted. And then, <laughs> like I said, if our parents weren't there, we'd watch either Mad TV or Saturday Night Live. Um, so nowadays obviously because of, of cable and satellite and all these different streaming services and everything there's just a glut of programming there's so many different things that you can watch and it's really hard for uh, a show to really kind of just like take all of the you know the the all of like a what everybody's talking about by storm you know what i mean there's like like for instance right now it's it's stranger things on netflix everybody's talking about it but that that type of um you know saturation is extremely rare but back in those days like everybody watched cops you know what i mean like everybody watched you know uh everybody watched america's most wanted back to back and it was just one of those things where like um you know a couple times my hometown fort myers was on cops and it was like really exciting and you weren't after, on it though you, you yeah i wasn't on it but oh, after good. you would yeah. watch uh after you'd watch america's most wanted you know like we'd all make sure that we lock the doors and stuff <laughs> just like weird <laughs> yeah. stuff like that of course right. like unsolved mysteries i'm not talking about the, the the remake that they did the reboot in 2008 i'm talking about the original one with uh what was his name the older guy uh, i'm surprised you actually don't know this. oh robert stack sorry um, just weird, weird shows, and of course, Mad TV was like a it was like a knockoff of Saturday Night Live. It it wasn't as funny, but my siblings and I loved it. But that that whole Saturday night just basic TV programming, I always thought was really, really good. It was always something to watch, and it was I look forward to it every single weekend. So that's my number five. Very, very cool. Okay, you know, for my number five, uh, I'm going to go with okay. Although this started in the '80s, uh, it really didn't explode into the mainstream pop culture, you know, until the '90s, and that's grunge music. So although the term grunge, it, it had been been thrown around before it was pretty popular in like australia in the mid 80s the term obviously really became associated with that seattle music scene of the mm -hmm. early to mid 90s and although nirvana's Nevermind was the big catalyst for the grunge scene but they weren't the only ones you know like there was pearl jam allison chains there's stp um every decade i think 
tends to be defined somewhat by its music, and the 90s were definitely the time of alternative music. And I think there was no bigger musical influence than grunge during that Mm -hmm. decade. And the fact that it came from Seattle, of all places, probably had to do with the fact that, you know, I, I would think the Seattle music scene was kind of isolated you know, from the rest of the country and grunge, you know, it obviously came from, like it was influenced by, you know, punk and metal music that was coming out at the time. I think Cobain and Grohl had a lot of different influences, everything from the Pixies to Black Sabbath, but I think the fusion of all the different styles was such a big part of it. But even more than that, like a song like Smells Like Teen Spirit, like it's almost generation defining because it captured that teen angst of the time, right? And I think it wasn't just the music either. When you think about it, like people were in, you know, the plaid flannel shirts, the ripped jeans and all the messy layers. It was a Lots look. Lots of flannel. Yeah, it was Lots. a look, right? And, and it was a sound. <laughs> and I think it definitely defined the early 90s like like nothing else did. So that's my number five. What's your four? I like it. Weirdly enough, I think that grunge actually ages a lot better than other genres of music. Like yeah, it's still really, really listenable, which yeah, is kind of weird. That's a good point. Um, so my number four is the 90s being the golden age of cartoons. Uh, looking back, I didn't realize just how many cartoons there were. And not even just cartoons for kids, obviously, but adult cartoon programming. Like, this was like the first decade where, you know, obviously, like, The Simpsons started in the late 80s, but it, it was popularized in the 90s. Right. Um, but there were just so many shows. There was this explosion. Like I said, adult ones like South Park and King of the Hill and The Simpsons. Not so much an adult, but you know what I mean. Yeah, even but, Beavis and Butthead and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Beavis and Butthead, sure. Ren and Stimpy. But just like, you know, other car- cartoons that we've talked about before, like Bobby's World with Howie Mandel, uh, like Animaniacs and Rugrats, Arthur, um, Pinky and the Brain, uh, Muppet Babies. Like, they're, you know, Pokemon. There were so many, like, animated cartoons were such a big part of the 90s. It kind of dipped down in the 2000s where you know with the advent of cable tv whatever just it was so hard for these these shows to get the type of viewerships that people thought would you know would keep the show going basically um but they're kind of seeing like this this revolution where a lot of those shows that were very very popular in the early 90s are starting to come back now in the 2000 you know in 2016 basically but um just so many really really smart just deep completely original cartoons um i only listed a few of them but there's probably a hundred cartoons from just between like 1990s and 1995 or 96 golden age of cartoons so that's my number four very cool okay my number four i'm going with the fresh prince of bel-air <laughs> i loved that show and the thing is if you think about it rap music had been gaining steam for a while coming into the 90s like right from the sugar hill gang back in the 70s but by the 90s it was really starting to get into the mainstream but at the time, the only way that rap and hip-hop were going to gain any traction in the mainstream was if there was a clean-cut, you know, less threatening symbol for the genre. And that symbol was embodied in Will Smith. Like, his music was catchy, and most importantly for the mainstream, it was clean, right? There was no profanity or violence or anything in the lyrics. And Smith had, uh, obviously, a super generic name, right? And he was incredibly charismatic. And it was just what the mainstream wanted. The timing was perfect for him. And if you think about it, like his, he exploded on a TV in The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and it really helped make the jump to mainstream for rap and hip-hop. Uh, maybe only rivaled by Aerosmith when they collaborated with Run DMC, you know, sort of as a kind of watershed event in rap music, sort of entering the mainstream. Mm-hmm. And the show itself, but I loved it. It was funny. Like, there was Carlton doing the, the dance to the Tom Jones music, and Uncle Phil was like the perfect foil to Will, Jeffrey the Butler. It was all there. Mainstream hit. It was very, very 90s. If you go back and watch it, it like just screams the 90s. And so it's dated, obviously. But I think at the time, it really helped usher in 
you know, a whole new style of music to the mainstream that was groundbreaking. So for all those reasons for me, it's number four. I loved Fresh Prince. I've I, I've watched episodes of it recently too. And not just the 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 significance it had in ushering in hip hop and, and rap music to like the mainstream, like you said, but they even tackled issues like, you know, like uh basically like your perception of class like typically like if there was a tv show that featured a black family it was always a lower uh a lower class so like there was like this weird like you know your perception of of, of class envy and class rankings and stuff like that like they even tackled like interracial marriages and stuff they had like multiple episodes about that because like at the time that was still like very much like taboo was oh, yeah, the, the whole racial identity thing in it but um so like shows like that it was really crazy like once they got like a foothold they could actually start attacking like actual social issues and stuff so um i see why it's still like that show still holds up you know what i mean oh yeah absolutely i agree um nice pick very okay. nice pick oh thanks what's your uh, number three <laughs> Number three for me is the original America's Funniest Home Videos. This was a oh, yeah. family affair at, at our house. <laughs> Every Sunday night it, yeah. we would watch this together. And the one thing I like about it, obviously there's still shows like that on today. Um, I, I think AFE still has a, a newer one that they're they're still making new end episodes and it's not just you know syndicated reruns or anything. But what I loved about it was the early 90s episodes. This was before the, the advent of like, you know, the internet as we know it and everybody having a... a, a a camera all the time you know what i mean right. N- now we just see we see stuff all the time and you know it, it kind of seems like it's um it, it's almost like uh i don't know how i'm trying to say it, but like the video lost its innocence basically whenever everybody had cameras you don't know what's real you don't know what's scripted um everybody is trying to one-up another and try to go viral and like it, it really did you know home videos lost their innocence basically right because all the all the kids that you see today they've grown up and they have like a really intimate relationship with technology so you kind of always are operating on the assumption that you're being recorded and that other people are going to see it you know your mom's going to put it on facebook or your friend's going to record you so like those videos back in the day were just like they were so raw and they were so natural and just to see you know how people really did react at like family events and like like, you know, seeing people's like most private, intimate, like funny things that happened to them. But like, you know, they, they were like I said, they were literally acting under the assumption that it was just for them. They were private home movies. And I don't know, it was just like a golden age. I don't think we'll ever have videos like that again, like I said, because it's just been adultered and um, it, it just won't be the same. So uh, every Sunday night, my family and I, we would always sit down, watch it together. And uh, I kind of miss that. That's like one of the things about my childhood I probably miss the most. So America's Funniest Home Videos, uh, number three for me. Very cool. I like that. At the end, they'd always like narrow it down to three. And it'd be like, man takes football in groin. Yay. Exactly. And they'd all stand up and he'd be like, wait, he was like a star yeah. for, for a minute. You know what I mean? It was great. <laughs> that was awesome. That's a good one. Okay. My number three. I think some people might say that Titanic was the movie that defined the decade. And I totally get that. I mean, it was a huge movie. You know, it became the highest grossing film of all time at the time, at least. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it got passed. Um, and it's, you know, just about as iconic as you can get for a movie. But for me, the film that defined the 1990s was Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. And when it came out in 94, I was blown away. Like, I mean, it used a, a non-linear style of storytelling that, that hadn't been done like that probably since, well, all the way back to Citizen Kane, probably. It was like, it was this downtrodden, it was like the underbelly of society. It was full of angst and black humor and violence and nostalgia. And it spawned tons of ripoffs and copycats. But none of them were on the same level as Tarantino's movie. That, that That's a masterpiece as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned. I think it was the most important American film since The Godfather. And in my mind, wow. it remained the most important American film until There Will Be Blood. So if you don't agree, 
I think you need to go back and watch it because it's absolutely brilliant filmmaking. It's the best film of the 90s and it's not even all that close for me. Wow, I, I will say this. I had I had gone most of my entire adult life without having ever seen it, and uh, just having a conversation with my wife randomly, you know, maybe about a year ago. She's like, "Listen, she's like you. What, she's like, what the hell are you doing? You have to watch this movie." And she owns it. She owns a copy of it. And so I watched it. And as soon as I finished, I'm not kidding. I watched it again. Oh wow! Back to yeah, back. I literally good. spent five hours that that afternoon, literally just watching because it is really really good. And there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. There's all. I mean, it's one of those things where you get more and more out of it each time you you watch it. It was. Crazy, crazy. Man. Yeah, and like I say, like the nonlinear story ma- telling, like, like when you when you go back and then you realize that you know um, Bruce Willis's character, why, why is Vincent Vega there by himself? Because oh, you realize at the end, oh, that's right, um, uh, Samuel L. Jackson's character went away, so then he was by himself, and he was right. by himself. That's why he got shot, right? And like, it's all out of oh, it's just brilliant, brilliant movie. Love it so much. So that's mine. Well, what do you got for number two? We're getting there. Uh, number two is uh, <laughs> bad commercials. Uh, <laughs> nice. the 90s. Yeah. I, I thought the 80s are bad. Whenever you really go back and look at things and just revisit them, holy cow, did the 90s have bad commercials. Um, I was just going through, you know, I, I did two days of research with this. It was an excuse just to watch YouTube videos for like four hours. Cool. But um, some, some some commercials, as soon as you hear these, you'll obviously remember them. But the uh, the corn pops, the I Gotta Have My Pops, I didn't realize this, but that's actually Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was in all those commercials. That was kind of like a neat little thing. Uh, the life alert commercials, like, you know, I'll give up food, I'll give up water, but I won't give up my life alert. Like the, the crazy old ladies, like the super, like over the top acting of them, like crawling on the floor, like pressing their life alert buttons and stuff. I know it sounds kind of mean, but I always thought those were really funny. Right. Uh, the original Mentos commercials, you know, the jingles, oh, yes. yeah. the fruit stripe scum, uh, yeah. Miss Cleo's psychic readings, call Miss Cleo. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, I remember those. Oh, <laughs> baby back ribs. Oh, I mean, yes. those those commercials haven't aired in years. And even still, every time my wife says, like, let's go to Chili's, all you hear is like, I want my baby back, baby. You know, everybody knows <laughs> yep. it. Everybody's still going to sing it. You know, uh, what, what are some of the, the, the Kit Kat commercials? The What's in the Wonder Ball? I mean, there were so many. It seemed like those commercials, like, they weren't trying to be smart. They weren't trying to, like, uh, trick you subliminally. It was all about, like, making really catchy, like, uh, you know, it just becomes embedded inside your psyche and you can't get it out. Like, that was, like, the theme of marketing in the 90s. Like, those commercials were all about like it doesn't matter what the product is just get it stuck in their head and they're gonna buy a freaking wonder ball you know what i mean exactly it doesn't even matter if mentos are delicious like everybody's gonna identify with the commercial and they're gonna buy them so like it was just this really really weird time they weren't all bad commercials but it was just this really like really wonky time for commercials so that's that's my number two oh man i like it i think that's a good one uh okay so my number two is a television show and that is friends um, I think when you think of the 90s, you think of Friends. Um, the theme song, there's the fashion, like the Rachel haircut, man. Oh, man, that was popular. The the popularity of the show was off the charts. It was super huge. Um, obviously, huge mainstream appeal. And just as, as an aside, as I am kind of want to do, as you know, from time to time uh, around here. Okay, so like a lot of the really, really great pop culture stuff, the original plans for the show, uh, it's kind of hard to imagine like if it had worked out that way. So what I mean, like, for example, this Friends was originally titled Six of One, and then they changed it to These Friends of Mine. Both and, bad. Yeah, and, and, and then obviously shorted it down to Friends. Great. And if you look at some of the early casting stories, pretty interesting stuff, too. Like the role of Monica was originally turned down by Janine Garofalo, and Chandler's role was turned down by John Favreau. And John Cryer was actually an early favorite um, to play Chandler, but he didn't get his audition tapes in on time. And uh, Eric McCormack 
even auditioned for the part of Ross. Taya Leone was offered the part of Rachel. She turned it down. And you know what? It all worked out perfectly because you could not imagine those parts being played by anyone other than the cast of the show. I don't know if it's the most influential show of the decade, that's for sure. I don't even know if it was one of the funniest for that matter, but mm-hmm. just for the just sheer dominance, Friends, you know, it was so huge in the mainstream. It really helped define the decade of the 1990s. So for that reason, it's number two on my list. Yeah, show me somebody who says they didn't watch Friends and like, I'll show you a liar. Exactly. Everybody watched that show. Exactly. Everybody. Um, I, I like that. Uh, it, and you, you see, you, you still have the episodes, the reruns on like every channel ever. Like if you want to watch Friends, you can watch Friends like every single Oh, time. absolutely. You're right. Uh, number one for me, we've talked about this in a past episode, but I, I couldn't do a show about the 90s and not mention it. But the year 1999, uh, from a movie standpoint as a whole, uh, the craziest, craziest time in history, you know, with Y2K fears and uh, just a lot going on in the world. It was like this really weird, like ominous time for movies. Um, you could see that in a lot of the themes for most of the movies that did come out at that time. Like there was a lot of this like uh, unknown fear, like uncertainty type things that were just seeping into all these movies. Like, kind of like a nihilistic view of everything, you know, that you know life is pointless and that we're all going to die kind of thing. Um, just to rattle off some of the movies, obviously I, I've made this abundantly clear before in the past that The Matrix is my favorite movie of all time. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love it. So obviously The Matrix came out uh, in 1999. The Sixth Sense, one of the best movies of all time. Oh, Fight yeah. Club, The Blair Witch Project, uh, the new Star Wars episode one. Even though it sucked, mm-hmm. how wild was it though that it came out in 1999? Yep. You know what I mean? Uh, movies like Sleepy Hollow, that's kind of become a little bit of a cult you know, favorite. Uh, it wasn't super huge at the time, but um, looking back, it's actually really, really 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 good horror movie uh toy story 2 came out that was probably the biggest sequel in like the last 10 years to come out and of course office space uh it was just a really really solid movie or solid year for movies rather and i mean i'm only listing a handful of them but if you go back and search imbd for like a, a rotten tomatoes for the top movies of 1999 i mean if i had to make a list of my all-time favorite movies obviously it would take a while but literally 20 or 30 of those would be from one year in 1999. So that's, I mean, it's when I think of the nineties, it's, I I literally think of that one year. I think of how old I was, like the things I was into. And it's all about these movies. Like it was all centered around, you know, just 30 really just transcendent films. So 1999 movies as a whole, if you guys have like a whole weekend off, you know, queue them all up on, on Netflix, whatever, and just like, Go ham. Oh, yeah. And I mean, if you look at the, you know, the Oscars, not that they're an indication of, you know, the the, the cream of the crop of, of movies in a certain year. American Beauty won Best Film that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly wasn't even the best movie by far. I mean, there was like Being John Malkovich came out that year. Yeah. Um, there was some really good, really, really, really good stuff. I remember um, uh, South Park, I think. The South Park movie came out. Yeah, the South Park well. movie came out. Yeah, was really, really good. came out. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, Blair Witch and all that stuff. I remember like, yeah, that was a really, really good year for movies. I certainly did like it. Um, but unfortunately, you did forget the the best movie of 1999, and that was uh, Deuce Bigelow. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, Austin Powers too. Let's let's, let's yeah, talk the, the about second that. movie. Austin yeah, Powers. yeah, the second Austin Powers movie came out as well. That's right. So Deuce uh, Bigelow. Okay. Uh, okay, my number one is. I, by the way, before I get into this, I think it's amazing. Just just to, for in the sense of transparency, we do not share our lists. Before we come, before we come, before the microphone. So, right. so we don't talk about anything actually. Nope, nope. We literally just decide on a topic and then we go with it, and so. we just run with it, and we just both start spewing the stuff off. So, because people have asked me before, like, oh, you, you know, do you guys check or you know, you guys got to check each other's list because you know, you know, you, sometimes you know, you don't know stuff 
you know, mm-hmm. from the other person's list. That's the point. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know what you're going to say. So we just kind of go with it. But I think it's really amazing that we have two lists that we don't even check and there was no crossover at all. That's really, really, that's pretty amazing. I guess yeah, that is. Yeah. Uh, okay. So for me, it is the greatest TV show of the decade, in my humble opinion, started out as the Seinfeld Chronicles in 1989. And of course, just shortened to plain old Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. No other show had as many catchphrases. I, I don't think there's, you know, no other pop culture staple had as much influence on the decade. Uh, it began obviously at the beginning of the decade, but it went out on top in 1999. It was unbelievably influential on subsequent comedy and, and television in general, for that matter. I think the, the influence on the pop culture zeitgeist of the 90s is unquestionable. Uh, and the thing is, for me, the show just kept getting better. And better and better. And when Larry David left after season seven, it could have been disastrous. But instead, I think the show put out some of its best stuff after that. Mm-hmm. And the way they really started to get into in season eight and nine, how they would intertwine four stories, you know, each week centered around the four leads. When you think about it, that's pretty amazing. Like, it's it's amazing how gen- generous that the show was with the storylines. Not all shows are like that. You know, the showrunner, the lead, usually gets the lion's share of the limelight. But not on Seinfeld. Like, everybody got, you know, a a piece of the action in terms of story. And I think when you look back to the 1990s, everyone was talking about, you know, the catchphrases from the show, the close talkers, sponge worthy, anti-dentite, you know, there was Festivus, Serenity Now, like you could go on shrinkage, yada, yada, you could go on forever, right? And when I think of the 90s, I think of Seinfeld. And I think it was the greatest TV show of the decade, the greatest influence on pop culture of the decade, at least in my opinion. So... Uh, anyway, well, speak of that, you know, obviously we want your opinion as well. So, you know, what did we miss? What should be on our list? What would we leave off at C. McBrien or at Yancey Eaton on Twitter and Chris at com or Yancey at com on email. I think it's time now to have some fun with Yancey. Okay, Yancey, I think regardless of when you're born... You know, one thing is obviously clear with you. You you love music. That's one thing. I love that, music. That, that's yes. so true. So, and, and you're not just limited to music that's produced, you know, in your generation. You know what I mean? I no. think you're a big fan of music from the past as well. So I'm going to issue you a challenge this week. I'm going to read you some song lyrics and you name the 1990s song. What do you think? Sound good? Yeah, let's do it. I'm going to go as easy as I can on you. Okay, here we go. Okay. Hey, now you're a rock star. Get the show on. Get paid. And all that glitters is gold. Only shooting stars break the mold. Yeah, that's All Star. Yay! Or, I'm Very sorry, that's good. well, it's All Star, but it's Smash Mouth. Yeah, yeah All Star, you are correct. Yeah. Okay, here's one. Astro Lounge. Very, really, very really... good. Very good. Very good. Okay, here's one. Sometimes you're crazy and you wonder why. I'm such a baby. Yeah, the dolphins make me cry. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I'm stumped. Sometimes you're crazy and you wonder why. I'm Keep such going, a Chris. baby, yeah, the dolphins make me cry. I cannot remember. I don't know. It's Hootie and the Blowfish. I only want to be with you. I only want to be with you. Yeah, from 95. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, don't make me sing anymore, by the way. I'm terrible. Okay, here's one. He drinks a whiskey drink. He drinks a vodka drink. He drinks a lager drink. He drinks a cider drink. He sings the songs that remind him of the good times. He sings the songs that remind him of the best times. Uh, he drinks a whiskey drink. Oh, that's a uh, tub thumping. Yay! Chumpa Yeah, from 97. Very good. Oh, see, I knew you'd do good at this. Okay, here you go. And I don't want the world to see me. 
because I don't think that they'd understand. When everything's made to be broken, I just want I just you to want know you to know who, who I, I am. am. <laughs> that would be a the the emo anthem of my high school years. Nice. That's Iris by the Google Dolls. Absolutely, it is. All right, okay. So I'm going to leave you with an easy one here. It's from early in the decade. Okay, are you ready? Yeah, this is fun. If there was a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Check out the hook while my DJ revolves it. I know this. Obviously, everybody knows this one, but I know this simply because my little sister was obsessed with this song. She knows every word. She knows the dance. I mean, my, she's like obsessed with like in Living Color and like that whole era. My sister's younger than I am too, which is like really strange that she would just like gravitate towards this. But obviously, it's it's Vanilla Ice's uh, uh, Ice Ice Baby. But that's a weird one. That's a really weird song that does not age well. <laughs> word to your mother. Oh my. <laughs> 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 so you did really good this week. Congratulations. I think you got them all except one. So that's yeah, awesome. Man. Oh, boy, the 90s were something else, I tell you. Anyway, time to wrap things up, uh, Yancey. we got to go one more time on Twitter, at Yancey Eaton, at C. McBrien. Or again, you can check out all our contact information on popgoesyourworld.com. Until next week, this is Chris McBrien saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thank you for listening to the Pop Goes Your World podcast. Continue the conversation on Twitter at C. McBrien or at Yancey Eaton. Please consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. 